Good morning, everybody. Good morning. How are you? It's a pleasure to be here, uh, and I'm really on, uh, pleased to stand in front of you as Bible teacher. Uh, I've been taught uh, by American Mission uh, School in Ethiopia uh, from my childhood. And my father was working for the American company called the Bottling Company of Ethiopia. And then he got opportunity to put the, his children to the American Mission School. And he took, you know, he we went there and we graduated our elementary class there and I passed with good grade. And then I joined the, the high school and also joined the... Can you fix that speaker with that so no one can't hear? Can oh. you put it closer? Or? Oh, I can't use it. Can I have it with, with my hand? Yeah. Okay. And I got... Um, good study uh, in a place called the Ethiopian Evangelical Church Fellowship Bible College, ETC, and uh, I did my uh, Bachelor uh, of Theology there and graduated in 2000, and um, God gave me another opportunity to come here in America to study my master's degree. And I went to Gordon Conway and graduated in 2013. And me and my wife, uh, we came alone, but God blessed us with two children. I have two girls, seven and three years old. The second one is look like a boy. She's energetic. Uh, so we don't need to, you know, have another boy anymore. <laughs> so uh, uh, I became a pastor for Ethiopian and Eritrea ministry here at Trinity, and we've been—it's been seven years since we started this ministry, and we are very thankful for Trinity Baptist. We are working with Trinity Baptist for a long time, and uh, you are like family for us. Of course, God gave us this as his family, and part of we are part of family. So now I'm going to teach you about something that attached with my life. And I really love to pray, uh, and my wife is even better than me. She really a prayer woman. And something that we helped us to uh, found the base for our understanding about prayer. So I want uh, to challenge you, brothers and sisters, to, uh, for a little time, to, I want to take you to back from the Old Testament and build up some foundational things. And we need to, and we, we're going to come to the New Testament and we will conclude with some practical ways of prayer, okay? So this is uh, my outline, and you will get, uh, if you have your handouts, we can follow the handouts. If you don't understand my pronunciation when I speak English, you can find there, so that, oh, he's he going to say this, oh, he mean this one. <laughs> so the church as house of prayer, this is the title. Um, 
we need to find for us to we, where this phrase, house of prayer, comes from. Uh, I uh, chose three scriptures, and I want uh, two people to help me by reading the scripture. And um, uh, we will see three biblical passages, the Bible passages. And the first one is Matthew 21. The second one is Isaiah 56. And the third one is Second Chronicles chapter 6. Uh, but when we uh, discuss about these three uh, passages from the Bible, I just rather to choose uh, to uh, the, the last one are the first and the second and the third, okay, chronologically, because I want to get from the historical background what the house of prayer means in the Bible. So I ask somebody to read for me Second Chronicles chapter 6, verse 12 and 13. Okay, thank you. Then he stood the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands. Now Solomon had made a bronze platform, five cubits long, five cubits wide, and three cubits high, and had set in the midst of the court. And he stood on it, knelt on his knees in the presence of all the assembly of Israel spread out his hands Thank you. We see the temple of God was built in Second Chronicles uh, chapter 5. Uh, uh, and you see the dedication and the inauguration, the blessings and the prayers from this chapter up to chapter 7. From chapter 5, Second Chronicles up to chapter 7. And in these chapters, we focus into two things that I want you, you know, your attention to, uh, to, uh, to see how the house of prayer founded there by the end of this temple uh, uh, building has been finished. So when we understand this chapter, when we understand this uh, passage, definitely we can understand what Jesus is going to be, you know, going to say in the temple when he meets some bad people, I could say, in the church. So, so that he can say, this is the house of prayer, but you, you did this and this. Why he did that? Why he said that? Because he must have heard some concept in his mind from the Old Testament. That's why we are digging from the past, from the Old Testament, to understand that concept. So Solomon finished the work, and Solomon did for house of the Lord was finished. It says in verse 1, they watched the ark enter the temple. The chronicler uh, described the temple as filled with cloud. This is chapter 5. When chapter 5 finished, the, the, the Spirit of God came upon his people and filled to the, the, this temple. So the temple, how the temple was built, you know that the, the David brought the intention, God gave him promise, and his child Solomon 
Uh, it's in our pronunciation, Salomon, okay? <laughs> it's kind of Hebrew. Hebrew language and Ethiopian language are similar. So Salomon built it. So it, it's a sign that God is among his people. So this is a very significant time for Israel's history. So the second one is dedication. In chapter 6 from verse 1 to 11, you see Solomon's speech. He addresses or blesses the people and talks about his father, David, but gave the credit to God, even though the fa- his father gave him the, this opportunity. But uh, he gave all the credit to God. He reminded the people, he remind, uh, reminded the people that uh, there is no God like their God. It's just like that time God promised that David's family would always rule in Israel. Solomon's really, really hope the Almighty will stick by that. And the third one is Solomon's prayer of dedication, which I want uh, to focus on. Solomon's prayer you find in Second Chronicles chapter 6 from verse 12 up to 30. Then Solomon stood up, uh, that our brother read for us. Solomon stood up before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all assembly of Israel and spread out his hands. Solomon had made a bronze platform, five cubits long, five cubits wide, and three cubits high, and had set it in the court and had stood on it. Then he knelt on his knees in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands towards heaven. Do you see the picture? I tried to put it in the PowerPoint. I couldn't finish. I'm sorry. I, 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 so I don't want, I, I, don't, I don't use the PowerPoint today. But it was emotional. When you see that, for me, it was emotional because I got a chance to visit Israel and I got a chance to get into the temple, you know, and then I cried there. I don't know why in that time. Because one of the things that reminded me and came to my mind is what in that, in that time when I was in Israel, by the way, I'm, I'm, I have a blood connection with Israelites, and half of my family, they live in Israel. So the, when I, I saw, I visited that place, and I, I cried, cried, and I saw many things came up to my mind as a vision the things that I read from the Bible. And one of the things I, you know, I came to my mind is Solomon's prayer. The first day he prayed to the, the new temple of God. So he raised his hands and prayed to God. This is the first time for Solomon prayed and as a connection, as a connector or as a, a contact person at the temple of God. So when you go to Second Chronicles chapter 6 from verse 18 to 21, you see the long prayer passage. I don't want to get you, know, you to get through there, so I leave that to, to you to read by yourself. But I want to mention some things. You find prayer, the word prayer, five times here. And Solomon prayed primarily to God, asking God, not only to, to, to for his personal request or for the uh, situational request for, for his current people, 
but also generational prayer. He prayed for the generation come through after after the Israelites, you know, so so that God will listen their prayer. Whenever any person come to this temple and want to contact God, want to connect with God, so that God will pray, God will listen his or her prayer. Amen. That's the foundation. That's the foundation. You know, the, the, the good thing is God responded him by the next few verses. Let's, let's read first from um, chapter, next, next chapter, chapter 7 from 11 to 14. Somebody can uh, read that for me. Chapter 7 from 11 to 14. So Solomon prayed, asked God about what? Not only just for the for the uh, the personal issue or for the people that they had any question on that situation, but he prayed for generations. He like inaugurated the house of God with the name of prayer house, the house of prayer. This is the house of prayer. Praise God. Whenever anybody comes with any request and kneeled to you, raise their hands, listen their prayer. You know what God responds? Who, who got that passage to read for us? Chapter 7, verse 11 to 14. Second Chronicles. Okay. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house. All that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord and in his own house he successfully accomplished. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. Amen. This is now the prayer we pray. We always pray for that. Last time we had you know, fasting prayer time in our church for our country, for Ethiopia. Ethiopia is now in crisis, and of course, in, in a changing time, but there is big tension. Here we have God's promise, amen? We pray, we read this scripture, and we ask God, you promised us, if your people comes together and ask you, you will listen and bless our country. So this is the foundation. This is the foundation. Let's go to the second part. The second part, we're going to go to the name or the phrase that we, can, we, we find directly as it is uh, in Matthew chapter 24, 21. So it is in Isaiah chapter 56 from verse 1 to 7. If anybody willing, he can or she can help us uh, to read this scripture. Isaiah chapter 56 from verse 1 to 7. Okay, thank you. You can read. Yes. Thus says the Lord, preserve justice and do righteousness. For my salvation is about to come, and my righteousness to be revealed. 
How blessed is the man who does this, and the son of man who takes hold of it, who keeps from profaning the Sabbath, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, and choose what pleases me, and hold my fast, hold fast my covenant. To them I will give in my house and within my walls a memorial, and a name better than better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name which will not be cut off. Also the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, to minister to him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone who keeps from profaning the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant. Even those I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all the peoples. That's great. So this is the name that Jesus used uh, to correct what was the uh, wrong situation in the temple in Matthew 20, 21. As you know, after Solomon, uh, the, the Israel kingdom divided into two, the north and the south. And as you know, uh, uh, Isaiah was a prophet and ministering to the uh, uh, southern part of the kingdom. So Isaiah's uh, focus was, as you know, most of, almost all of the prophets, because there were false prophets during that time, but the good prophets, uh, focus was helping the people to come back uh, to, to God so that they can keep their promise and covenant. But the people of Israel were very far from God. They disobeyed God, rebellious, and they were far and far and far. And the destruction comes. So when you see the book of Isaiah, you divide it into two. Two major things. Some people divided into three, but I divided into two. And the first part is from chapter 1 to 39. It is like telling the people how they are sinned, how they are far from God. And that brought destruction. And the destruction follows with judgment. So Isaiah was telling telling the Israelites before the exile, little bit before the exile, telling them that they need to repent. They need to go back to God. They need to come back to God. And the good thing, every prophet in the Bible and every prophecy ends with hope and restoration. Amen? It doesn't finish with like any judgmental messages because God is merciful God. So Isaiah's uh, uh, message continued with another tone from chapter 40 to the end of chapter 66 and telling the people that of course God will judge them that God will um, come uh, in, in using to the, 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 their neighbors you know uh, um, uh, Gentiles and they invaded them they will, they will, they will take them to captivity but God also will Restore them one day. 
So Isaiah start from, from started from chapter 40. He, tell, he will tell them that God, how God will save them, how God will come after a while to rescue them. And that way is his son, Jesus Christ. So through that, the second part of Isaiah's book, you find this chapter, chapter 56. That's why as brother told us, as brother read for us, we see that God will tell them when the restoration comes, the people come back to the house of God with what? With songs, with joyful songs. Which, which place they come? With the place called the house of what? Prayer. So that's, that's why he mentioned. It is what, when do he, it happens? After the captivity, after 70 years, because they, they should have to go to the captivity with the Babylonian state there, and one day God will send uh, the, the messengers and they rescued them and they, they will take them out. But all these things were a shadow for the New Testament, for the, the, the major um, prophet, you, you could say, that's the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Amen? That's why now Isaiah is telling the people that this uh, judgment will end up with restoration. So we see hope here. We see hope. But, but we need to understand that. Why this all destruction and judgment is coming? Because the people of God were far from God. They were like started enmity from God. They do bad things even in the house of God. You know the stories. Many stories you find. Even who, are, who they, they, they were elected to serve the Lord. Their families, their children, they did sin in the house of God. Now you can see this picture almost similar with similarity in the New Testament. That's why Jesus, immediately after he got in the uh, Jerusalem, he immediately went to the temple. And, you know, we're going to see in a few minutes that. So the main point in uh, Isaiah chapter 6, the main point is hope of restoration for the house of prayer. So uh, we see the foundation in Second Chronicles, the foundation, how the temple of God built, for what purpose? The purpose is what? People can't come and connect with God, have a relationship, have fellowship with Him, pray with Him. Prayer is what's prayer? Prayer is a conversation, right? Talking with God, spending some time with God, sitting with Him, talking to Him. Anything you like, you can talk to Him. And He responds. Amen? That's the house of God. That's the purpose. The house of God built in, in the middle of Israelites. Now, through history, that's destroyed. That's relationship gone. Now, Isaiah is telling them, please go back to God. Repent. Unless otherwise, God will come with judgment. But God also will rescue. The Messiah will come. 
and he will save you. That's why we see in the last part of our passage, let's go to Matthew chapter 21. The, and I ask also uh, any person to read for us from uh, verse Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with them. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowds said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. <laughs> now you get the story, right? And you get the connection from the Old Testament to here. The foundation, the restoration, now the Messiah. Now we see the Messiah is entering in the last week of his, his life. And the first thing what he did is he go to the temple of God. You know, surprisingly, he found another rebellious people. They are doing their business. They are not rebuked by Jesus because they are doing the business, but he rebuked them because they are thieves. <laughs> the Navy translation says thieves. So they do bad things there. The, the, why don't they do that you know, outside of the temple? But the, that's in, the, in the temple, that's also significant. And Jesus does three major things there. I, could, I did not write this. You can write it you know, by your notes. So three things. The first one is correction. He corrected that. He corrected why he came to the, the, this world. Because he wanted to correct the things that um, made chaos into Christianity, into any spirituality, into the relationship with God and his people. So he corrected that. It is not a business place. It is not bad people, you know, comes for no repentance, you know, <laughs> for no change. This is the house of prayer. So he corrected that. And the second thing is he confirmed that the house of prayer, who was built by Solomon, who was 
prophesied by Isaiah is now will continue to generation to generation. Because is that, is that not the prayer that Solomon prayed for the first day where the, 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 the uh, temple of God was built? He prayed, Father God, make this house is the house of prayer. Anybody, when he comes to pray for his country, to pray for his family, to pray for anybody, any problem, listen their prayer. Now, Jesus confirms this is the house of prayer. Nothing changed. Sometimes people say, I'm going to preach you now, sorry, okay? <laughs> when the time goes, when now we are now 21st century, so they try to change Christianity with, with like modernism. No, Jesus said, God remains forever. God needs his people to come to his house for prayer. He wants to connect them. He wants to talk to them. That's why Jesus came to this world. And the third one is he connects his mission to this, the Old Testament with the New Testament. That's why he came to fulfill the Old Testament prophecies, right? From the beginning, as my brother read for us from verse 1, he came as triumphal entry, right? Then everything there, there happened is in purpose because it has been pro, uh, prophesied, right? So he came to fulfill these all prophecies. So one of the prophecies is he restored the house of God. He brought, bring back the name, the original name to the house of God. Now I say to the church for this generation, also may God bring back the name, the house of God for every church. Amen? Because nowadays, some churches, they neglect this. They avoid this. Some churches, they are giving high priority, maybe high emphasis for other activities in the church. But you don't find prayer that much. They don't pray. In all times, even in America, people pray when they eat, when they, they, they go, right? Because I know that. I've, I've studied the American history. <laughs> now I don't see many people do that. You see, Jesus tells the people, this is the house of the Lord. This is the house of prayer. This is the major the, the main purpose that the house of uh, God has been built. So he is restored. Restore, you see that he is restoring this major, the purpose of you know, the building of God's house, the prayer, and bringing back to the, the right position, the right place. So I I'm, I'm just want to tell you some some things, and I'm gonna finish because my 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 time is running. So uh, let's jump a little bit down because I already uh, paraphrased for you the, the some of the points. Let's raise question: Why would Jesus refer to his house as house of prayer? First of all, Christ Himself was a house of prayer, and He was teaching His disciples to become one by modeling this for them uh, when he continually withdrew and was taking 
with church is primarily who we are in relation to him. Church is primarily who we are in relation to him. Uh, this is our picture, the picture of uh, the church. That's our title. And we then relate to one another and to the world out of uh, our relation to him. We then relate to one another and to the world. I'm sorry, this repeater. And First Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 5, you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, a royal priesthood. So then, what's prayer? Prayer is that longing and intimacy restored and threw back, threw back to life, which was dead in our sinful state, apart from Jesus Christ. You can read Ephesians chapter 1, chapter 2, from verse 1. Even you can go up to chapter, uh, verse 10. And it says, we were dead spiritually. And because of Jesus, we rose up. And God uh, put us uh, uh, with, with Jesus in his right hand. So, prayer is the intimate communication with the Father in heaven, and the house of prayer is the earthly expression of what is in heaven. And the church as house of prayer. In many of our modern churches, there is much focus on the music, the sermon, or both, but prayer life often seems like out of the circuit. And I'm, I'm going to see you figure some picture over there. But don't forget, when we say a church, we mean that we all individual members. It's not an organization. We are not talking about the organization. So that, that means prayer should be the center of every activity of the church. And it should be exercised in everyday life of an individual. I want to appreciate Trinity Baptist Church leaders and Sunday school coordinators for the emphasis they give up on prayer at the beginning of the year. May God bless you. And this, uh, now let me go to the, the, the uh, uh, figure over the, the picture. In this church, prayer ministry is just one of the ministries of the church. So you find many different activities there, the ministry activities, and the prayer ministry also among them. But it, it doesn't mean that they, the other ministries does not pray, they don't pray, but they don't have any connection with the prayer ministry. The prayer ministry just sit alone. Sometimes when I, you know, in my church, we, we have prayer ministry too, but people say, pray for me, pray for me, but they don't pray. They, they think that prayer ministry is responsible. It's not their responsibility. It's not a responsibility, by the way. It's a life. God wants us to talk to him, right? So the prayer ministry by itself and alone sitting in a church ministry, under church ministry activity is not enough. And the second one is this church uh, passionately practice and practice uh, participates in prayer as a foundational or cornerstone ministry of the church. Not only does each ministry find its strength in prayer, but it in turn refocuses its attention back to strengthen the prayer life of the church, the individual prayer life. 
So you see prayer is the center here. That's the concept of what Jesus is telling to the people. As the head of the church, as the body of the church, we are the body of the church. He is the head of the church. We are connected with conversation, with relationship, with fellowship with God. That's why he came to correct. He came to the the world to confirm. And he came to the world to connect us with God. That's why we need this kind of church. So in conclusion, I want to include with two points as to clarify what I have been saying so far. The first one, after we receive Jesus Christ as Savior, you become the temple of the Holy Spirit. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 90. And the second one, as we assemble together, we are the corporate uh, expression of prayer. So we are all called to participate in the house of prayer. That's what the church is all about, to connect ourselves with God. So prayer should be everywhere in church activity. Prayer, we need to, you know, bring all the prayer lives, all the prayer activities into our family. We need to teach our children. Sometimes the children, they don't even start to speak good language, my, like my, my child, the third year, so, the third year, even though she's third, uh, uh, third year old, but she, she's not still, you know, because bilingual family is very late to catch one of the languages until they get to the school, right? <laughs> so, so, but she prays. We don't understand what she means. Father God, we, need, we hear this one, and after that, we don't hear. She, she, as if she, she looks like as if she's speaking tongues. <laughs> but we like her, 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 her prayer. We, like, we give her always opportunity to pray because she, she is liking to comp- comp- you know, compete with her, her uh, uh, oldest uh, child, oldest sister. She, oldest sister, sister, she prays perfectly. And she, 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 when she feels jealousy, we like that. We'll give her a chance. So we need to teach our children. That's the purpose of Jesus' correction at the temple. Jesus went also correct today's church, today's Christians. Come back to the prayer life. May God bless you. And I want to leave uh, these uh, practical, uh, some practical ways and practical um, principles for prayer. I don't know how many minutes does Pastor Gray, how many minutes uh, do, do I live? Yeah, we should, we should be done in five, five minutes. In five minutes, yeah. So we, we, we can't uh, get the prayer time? Uh, we could take okay. five minutes for prayer. Five or? minutes? Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so you will lead us. Okay, you're going to come here and will lead us. Okay. Yes. So I will encourage you to read these practical, uh, some practical ways and practical uh, principles for prayer. I just jot down some, some principles, and I hope it will help you and teach to others. And God, may God bless you, and uh, thank you very much. Right. Thank you, Pastor Samuel. Um, uh, since we have a short time, uh, we're not going to get up into groups and share prayer requests, but why don't we just have a few of us um, uh, lead out in prayer, maybe 
uh, three of us. Um, uh, would three people be willing to just lead out in prayer? Maybe um, someone could give a prayer of thanksgiving. Someone could pray for our church. Uh, someone could pray for the Ethiopian Eritrean ministry. Um, maybe one for each. I have three volunteers. Ralph, you can give a people pray at Thanksgiving. Someone like to pray for our church. Matt, and uh, could someone pray for Pastor Samuel and for the uh, Ethiopian and Eritrean ministry? Pat, and then I'll close us. All right.